Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help overworked CPAs go down to 40 hours and then down to 25 hours without giving up revenue. My name is Geraldine Carter. Today, we're talking about understanding how your clients feel and why it's important. Because if you don't understand what your clients feel before they work with you and once they're working with you, chances are excellent that you're leaving at least a metric ton of money on the table. You've heard me talk a lot about what clients buy, commodities, deliverables, services, experiences, transformations, and almost anything available in the marketplace is either one of those five things, a commodity, a deliverable, a service, an experience, or a transformation. And most accountants sell or market services, but what most accountants also offer is transformations. And most of the transformations that accountants create fall into one of the four buckets that I talk about all the time, money, time, stress, or clarity. And what I'll get deeper into in this episode is transformations related to feelings that your clients are experiencing. Usually in simple terms, I talk about that as stress, sometimes overwhelm or pressure, but your client is experiencing or likely to be experiencing, especially before they start working with you, some amount of negative emotion. And what they want to experience is something different than the negative emotion. They want to be experiencing a positive emotion. And I want to help you see this in greater detail so that you can better understand how you create value for clients when it comes to feelings. So eight things I want you to know today when it comes to feelings. Number one, people buy feelings. When we're starting out in business, we might think that people buy our time to get a certain amount of work done, or they're buying services like accounting services, web design services, engineering services, legal services, copywriting services, but people aren't buying time or services. What they want is a certain outcome. They have a certain problem and they want it solved. And when they have a problem and they get it solved, they're going to feel a certain way. It's feeling a certain way that people are buying or the hope of feeling a certain way that people are buying. Usually the feeling that people are buying comes enveloped or wrapped in some kind of product, whether it's diamonds or roses or a car or a new shirt. People buy a product or a service, but behind it, what they're buying is the hope that they're going to feel a certain way when they have the thing. So number one, people buy feelings. Number two, sometimes people buy feelings only, right? They buy feelings only without it being enveloped or wrapped in a certain product. And the best example I could think of of people buying only feelings and feelings only is any kind of drug. 
So when you buy a drug, it doesn't come wrapped in a thing. It's not in an object. It's not a product as well. You just get the drug and the powder or the pill or the liquid form. So think of any kind of mind-altering chemical like codeine or Ambien or Xanax or Zoloft or caffeine, alcohol, marijuana, cigarettes for the buzz, psilocybin, ayahuasca, cocaine, whatever it might be. Mind-altering chemicals that make people feel differently. There's no product that comes with it. All they are buying is the feeling itself, right? And all that's needed is the powder or the pill or the liquid form for it to get delivered in the vehicle that it gets delivered in. But there's no product outside or beyond the actual powder, the pill, or the liquid. All they're buying, all that is being bought is the feeling itself. And there are billions of dollars spent annually on only feeling differently without buying a car, a house, a vacation, a product, or a thing. All that's being bought is the feeling or the hope of a better feeling. By contrast, when people buy experiences, oftentimes they're also buying the feeling. So if you buy tickets to a museum or a Broadway show or a concert, an amusement park, those things come with a high dose of feelings, but they're wrapped in a product or an experience that is wrapped around the feeling. So in this case, it's harder to see that people are paying for the feeling that they're going to get when, let's say, they go see Hamilton on Broadway or Taylor Swift or a March Madness game or go to the Guggenheim. It looks like you're buying a ticket to the experience or the show, but behind it, there's a feeling. And so I use the experience of buying mind-altering chemicals to showcase that sometimes people only want the feeling. All right, number three is this idea that feelings have no place in business. Maybe, but there's a lot of money in changing how people feel, right? People spend a lot of money on feelings and people spend a lot of money on experiences. And there are whole businesses around March Madness and Taylor Swift tickets and all the rest. So I'm not so convinced of this idea that feelings have no place in business. However, I do want to draw a distinction between feelings and drama, So drama might include overreacting, acting out, complaining, staff teaming up or going behind people's backs, you know, standard fair drama. But being dramatic is in the action. It's not a feeling. So feeling annoyed on the inside and getting annoyed at a person are two different things, right? Getting annoyed at your staff or a client or a client or staff getting annoyed at you, that's different. Getting annoyed on the outside is the action that comes out in the words that are enveloped in a tone. But lumping feeling and doing into the very same bucket and jettisoning the whole thing is where one might be missing out on revenue. It's the part about how clients feel on the inside that you want to know. So number four is around knowing how to be empathetic. As an analytical thinker or somebody who is highly logical or rational, you might not think that you have your finger on the pulse of how people feel, and you might not think of yourself as somebody who can easily understand how others feel. You might not think of yourself as somebody who's empathetic. I want you to know that's not true. So I have a quick story for you, and that is that a couple of years ago, it had just snowed a huge amount, like four feet. So I went out skiing with a friend, a bestie, and we were out in the trees in bounds in sight of the chairlift. And I went first, I skied down, down, down. And then he went after me and I was looking up watching him because that's what you do. And he must've hit a snag or something because I saw him all of a sudden cartwheel and one of his skis went flying off and then he landed upside down in a tree well. 
And a tree well is like this cone of empty kind of snow. And it's full of tree branches underneath and people get tangled up in them all the time. And oftentimes upside down, especially they become entrapped and you try and get out and you can't because you keep digging, 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 but you're upside down and all that happens is the snow falls into your face and you can't breathe. It's a really bad scene. And I saw this person feet wagging upside down in the air and I was like, holy shit. And I started yelling, yelling, yelling toward the chairlift and it became clear to me in a flash that they couldn't hear me. And then I looked and I saw a woman skiing nearby and I yelled and I yelled and I yelled, but she couldn't hear me. And I looked up to see if anybody else was coming because it's kind of a popular line and nobody else was coming. And I was like, holy shit, I am on my own to go get him. And the problem was that I was about 150 feet away. 100 feet of that was horizontal. But the big problem was the 50 feet of vertical. And I was going to have to climb my hiney back up through four feet of deep snow to get him. And I didn't know if I was going to get there in time. But I didn't have any time to think about all this. I just hightailed it over. I pulled and I pulled and I pulled to get over there. And as soon as I got underneath him, I started climbing, 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 climbing as fast as I could to get to him. And eventually I got to him and I started pawing, 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 digging, digging, digging. And then I got my arms around his waist and then I yanked him out. And never in my life have I heard somebody take such a deep breath. I didn't even know a chest cavity could hold that much air. So in that moment, how do you think I felt? Right? I don't have to tell you. You knew that I was scared crapless, right? I was terrified. Of course, I didn't have time to be terrified in the moment. I just knew I had to get over there as fast as I could. But I didn't need to explain to you that I was scared shitless, right? You knew that. You knew that because in me telling the story, you could imagine what it would be like to be in those shoes. And you can imagine that in those shoes, you also would be super scared. And you didn't have to think or ask yourself, am I an empathetic person before you came to that? You just knew because you're an empathetic person. So even if you're an analytical thinker, that doesn't mean you're not automatically an empathetic person, right? These are not on the opposite ends of one spectrum. Being analytical, logical, rational, and being empathetic, those things are on two entirely separate spectrums. Your clients are unlikely to be overt and describe to you exactly how they're feeling in any given moment. But if you listen to their stories and you empathize without thinking too hard, you'll be able to identify and figure out how they're feeling. So this brings me to number five. This is not psychotherapy, right? This doesn't have to be like someone sitting in a wing back chair with a box of tissues over on the table. This is not a psychotherapy session. I just want you to be able to find out if your clients are stressed or overwhelmed or feeling constant pressure. What does it feel like for them when they have payroll always hanging over their head? What does it feel like for them when they're in the dark about how big their tax bill is going to be? What does it feel like for them when they receive financial statements that they don't know how to read and they have a million dollar company and they've never learned how to read financial statements? I'm not going to suggest to you that you ask, so tell me how you feel when you can't read your financial statements and you have a million dollar business. No, that would be weird, right? Rather, I want you to listen for charged language or if they sprinkle emotionally related words throughout their sentences. And maybe it helps if you think of it like a telescope, like a telescope can only look at a certain section of the night sky at any given time. So if astronomers want to look at a different section of the sky, they need to reprogram and reposition their telescope and point it at a different section of the sky so they can see into a different part of space. So if it helps, think about simply repositioning your telescope, your antenna, to be able to peer into this different part of what your clients are saying to you. 
because they might be saying things to you like, I'm fed up. Fed up is like frustrated, but beyond, right? It's beyond frustrated. Or they might say to you, I'm up to my eyeballs, right? Which could be, right? If you imagine a giant pile of work that floats up to their eyeballs, how do they experience that? Are they overwhelmed or do they feel pressure or do they feel stretched thin? Do they feel in demand? What does that feel like for them? I don't know. They might be able to tell you. Which brings me to number six. You don't have to name the feeling. So if they say to you, I'm up to my eyeballs, they might be able to name what that feels like, but they might not. Or you might think it's too weird to ask what that feels like. And that's fine. You don't have to always name the feeling. If you've been to Starbucks recently on the outside of your coffee cup, it might have said that first sip feeling. I don't know what that first sip feeling is either. I don't have a name for it. Starbucks decided that they didn't want to have a name for it. They could just leave it up to their customers to decide what that first sip feeling feels like. I know that I love that feeling, even though I don't know what it is. And in the morning, sometimes I'll push past my little kids on the staircase to get past them to get that first sip feeling because I know I'm jonesing for it. But I don't have to have the name of the feeling to know that I know what it is and that I like it and that I want it. So alluding to feelings can oftentimes work just as well as naming the feeling itself. So number seven, all of this, understanding the feelings of your clients or how they talk about what they might be experiencing, gives you a higher resolution understanding of your client. Like I said, you don't have to know or name the feeling, but the more that you know about how your clients feel, the more it creates a higher resolution understanding of what your client is experiencing. So another quick story. This one's not nearly as terrifying, I promise. When I grew up, we would watch hockey on TV and we lived in the sticks. So we had an antenna on the roof and we were 35 miles outside of Hartford. So when we would watch hockey games, there would be 20 players on the screen instead of 10 because every player had a ghost. Then eventually along came cable. We were too far in the sticks, so we never got it. But, you know, there was cable and then there was flat screen TVs and then there was 4K and then there was plasma right? And the higher the resolution, the more crisp the image gets. And the more crisp the image gets, the easier it is to follow the game. So now when we watch hockey, there are only 10 players. <laughs> and you can actually follow the game and see where the puck is, right? This is what higher resolution does. And understanding what your clients are feeling is something like giving you a higher resolution understanding of what your clients are experiencing. And the better you understand what's going on for your clients, the more value you provide for them. So number eight, watch out. If you take this too far, if you overdo it for your audience, it's going to sound manipulative or weird or gross. So don't do that. Only you know where these bounds are for your audience, and these bounds will differ by audience, right? So there's no hard and fast rule or lines about how much emotion or feelings you sprinkle inside of your marketing content or your website copy or what have you. If you stay with and you use the language and the words your clients use, you're not going to overdo it, right? Because you're already using the language that they use. But if you can take it a half step farther to help them understand what they're feeling and why, and that it's perfectly normal, it can add a lot of value because your client or your prospect might think, oh my gosh, thank you for helping me understand that. That's totally what's happening. How did you know? Thank you for helping me make sense of my own experience. You explained my experience to me better than I understood it myself. That can be really valuable for clients. 
So consider as you're learning to understand what your clients are experiencing in terms of feelings, in terms of negative feelings and what they want to feel, using their words and then going a half step farther just to help explain themselves to them. Okay, so what do you do when your vocabulary for the words associated to feelings if you don't have a ton of them at your fingertips? Having a bunch of these words at your disposal is useful in the same way that a thesaurus is super useful if you're trying to find the right nuance of the word and you don't have it at the ready, right? You go to the thesaurus online and you type in your word and it gives you 15 other options that are related to that word and you're like, ah, perfect, and you pull out the right word. Having the right feeling, having a chart full of feelings can be really useful in the same way because sometimes you can't quite identify the exact feeling, but the feeling chart can show you all kinds of related feelings and it makes it super useful to help you identify what your clients might be experiencing in certain situations. For example, surprised, shocked, confused, disappointed, let down, anxious, overwhelmed, worried, dismissed, out of control, pressure, and so on. And it also contains a bunch of words that they might want to be feeling like confident or thankful or successful or hopeful or trusting or proud or calm. Getting your hands on a feelings chart can be super helpful. So I'm going to link to one in the show notes. There are a ton of them available if you Google feelings chart or wheel of emotions and those kinds of related words. So start listening and tying what your clients are feeling back to the pains and dreams like I talked about in episodes 275 and 277. Because when you can recognize how your clients currently feel compared to how they want to feel, a lot of things in your accounting practice and working with clients can get a lot easier. A quick review before we close out. The better you understand your client, the more you can help them. The more you can help them, the more value you create. The more value you create, the more your prices go up. The more your prices go up, the less you need to work long hours during the week. The more you understand how your clients feel, at the risk of being indelicate, crude, indiscreet, indecorous, coarse, unseemly, or crass, the more you understand how your clients feel, the more money you will make. Remember, number one, people buy feelings. Number two, people even buy feelings only and only feelings. Number three, knowing how your client feels absolutely has a place in business. Number four, you already know how to be empathetic. It's part of being human. Number five, this doesn't have to be psychotherapy. Number six, you don't have to name the feeling. You can simply allude to it. Number seven, knowing how your client feels gives you a higher resolution understanding of their experience. And number eight, watch out. Don't overdo it on the feelings. It'll sound manipulative or weird. So go check out the feelings chart to get a wider ranging vocabulary for what your clients might be going through. When you understand what your clients are going through, it's better for them, it's better for your accounting practice, it's better for you and your life on your one trip through space. Have an amazing day, and if you're listening live, happy Valentine's Day. Lots of love and dark chocolate. See you next week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking. 
while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.